and welcome to Supercharged Change and Commerce Podcast. This is episode two. I'm Chris Bradley. I'm Pete Hodges. And today we are going to, to set the scene. Imagine you've just walked into a new project or program. We want to talk about the first things from a change communications perspective that you'll be looking for. But before we get into that, Chris, why did you decide on Supercharged as a name? Well, it's a good question, actually, because we're both contractors, Pete, right? And we go into a, a, an institution, an organisation, and one of the things we've got to really do is pick up the mantle on where they are with changing comms. And, and we don't always have the luxury of being in that programme for the three or four preceding months where you go for a business case approval. We really have just got to supercharge the approach to get on with the change of comms processes in that institution. So that's one reason. The second thing is this this podcast is going to be about, you know, getting to the nub of the problems that we all face in this industry quickly, the challenges that we walk into. And we're going to do it in a supercharged way, right? We're going to do it in the time it takes to drink a cup of coffee or the time it takes to drive to work in the morning. Okay, so, um, yeah, what we want to talk about today is when when you get into a, you know, you're getting stuck in for the first time and you've not necessarily been part of the whole conversation, um, what, what are the top things that you're looking for? And then at the end of this podcast as well, if you want to skip forward, um, we'll summarise our key takeaways as well. Chris, so what, what is it then? The first day, you start a new contract, what are the first questions you're asking to your to your client to really get to grips with things. I do. I love it. I love the first few days on a new contract because you get that opportunity to just ask all of the stupid questions. Quite often, though, they're not the stupid ones. They're just the ones that no one else has asked or they were last asked so long ago that you know pre-business case that they've just forgotten what it is that's going on. I can remember some uh, some places I've walked into and I get into the building and you go in and you're in a you're in a room a meeting room and they go right Chris we're just going to introduce some key stakeholders but they're they're running a bit late now and this is a true story this Pete actually and I sat there and I'm waiting uh, everyone's a little looking around a bit nervous there's a couple of different contracts and there are a few senior managers and and uh, at the last minute the uh, the uh, the the CDO or the IT director has walked in and, and says dropped his cup coffee on the table puts his book down announces to the room he's gonna be another five minutes because he needs a wee <laughs> <laughs> and these will be forever because when someone says to me what's the first thing you think of when you start a new contract it's always that it's always that story because it's such a such a moment um but i mean in answer to that question and, and I, i'm really keen to hear what you think as well because obviously you've been through that recently you, you need to find your new best mate really quickly. And it's not always the same person in the same role, but that, that person can sometimes be a solutions architect or it could be the, the director. It could be, you know, the comms person who's been around the block for a long time, but someone in there always has, you know, some background information on the, the, the change that's coming. You know, the real burning platform as to why it, it, it's coming through. The, the business case will give you some really good financials. It will give you some really good uh, articulated business benefit around growth and prosperity and all those good things but what it doesn't really do is sometimes explain that ux problem that underpins it um and uh, yeah. and you know the ux resolution in itself can save you some money right i, th- I think you're right so i found every every time starting a new project or um really like getting into a new task is that the there's always people that have been stuck in the woodwork for longer than you, well, definitely longer than you'll have been there. Um, but unless you're joining a new organization and it's a startup on its first day, there's always people that have got the the background and stuff. And I think, I mean, it's important, I think, not to get involved in the politics, especially when you're doing the change stuff. But um, if you don't know what's driving some of those conversations behind doors and why things are at where they are. I don't think it get you off to a good start. So 
I guess actually it leads on what I was going to say is the first thing I would start looking at building, at least mentally, is is what's your um, stakeholder map? Who who's, who supports the change? Who's kind of ambivalent towards it? And, and who are the people who are, are going to actively oppose it? They're the most fun ones, actually, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think so. Because as well, you can spend a lot of time creating these stakeholder maps. And I've seen a few, which, you know, they're, 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 they're a piece of art. They take an awful amount of time to make. They have a lot of subjective data going into it based on opinions of multiple people. But really, the, I think for me, if this is a takeaway point, is I want to build a, what I'd call a blast radius. And it's a very simple stakeholder map where you're just drawing like three circles like a roundel. And in that middle bit, you know, your first assessment is who's going to get hit hardest first. And, and, and then from that point, who are the key decision makers within those areas? Because those are the people you want to start making friends with and, and, and helping build confidence that change is going to work. The outer rim and then the rim beyond that is, is you know, it's just a degree of impact of, you know, you may not have done your change assessment yet, but it will be your first impact, your first guess of that impact. My second question then is, in terms of your change assessment, if you're completely fresh into a project, you, you need to start understanding what it is they want to communicate. Yeah, yeah, defo. And I think it goes back to your point earlier about finding those people who, who are in the woodwork who sometimes often perceived to be, you know, the resistance to change. But actually, sometimes actually they're the real people who can be your your, your biggest asset in this. Um, they, they, they can really help you drive out the, the real messages as to why we need to change. Um, and, and I can't think of many examples, but there are a few I've come across over the years where those people have actually kind of probably called out that this change was needed long before it ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> But they, you know, they just kind of sometimes have a have a, have a, a place in the organisation where the voices can't reach the the regions of where it needs to. So that's where change comes into its own, and, and particularly comms. Um, again, a takeaway into that space as well is that you know, if you think about what makes good change or comms land, it's about making things visual. But we don't tend to do that until we get much further down the process. But I, I'm convinced that actually, you know, having some visual management early on, accessible. Um, flip charts or posters or whatever it is that you're sticking post-its on that tell you you know what's happening and when whether that's a, a Kanban board and it just starts to list some of the tasks that we've got to do in the journey I think it just helps everyone see that change is happening and it's not behind the scenes you know when you join a project and you find that um the, all of the documents everything's like being stored all over the place um yeah. and you've got no idea what's anywhere i think that actually is one of the most useful things um is, is just get to get everybody in the room um who knows what's where what are you missing and kind of just i mean it's it sounds really boring doesn't it but just planning out what key documents have you got where are they and how are you going to work together um, yeah you know you're right because you do need you need to know what's on the, on the books you've got to know what's available to you in terms of resources and information because you can end up wasting hours and hours of people's time going back around and resurfacing some of this stuff right seen, seen it happen yeah i've seen it. And, and i suppose you can look at that as, as you know the question that we started off with is which what are your go-to things you do you know i will find a new best friend someone who has that information i'm going to look at a, a blast radius map but the other thing i'm going to go to do it's, it's the opposite. It's something I'm not going to go and do. And that's spend an awful lot of time over planning or over analyzing anything in those first few days, uh, first few weeks, because that's your only real opportunity to listen and ask questions. And if you do too much of that analyzing or planning too soon, I think you lose that window. Yeah, it's, it's that, that first like couple of weeks when you're, especially I think if you're getting into a new organization as well, you just need, you need to feel, you kind of need to go in and feel what's, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, it was a it's a horrible mistranslation. I'd um 
years and years ago we had a, a somebody that was um coming to a conference and they were from korea and they said the first thing they liked to do when they were going to a conference was to taste the streets and it's stuck with me since so I'm like, it's true like when you well, the first thing you know you go to a new city a new organization is you, you just have to like get stuck in and get a feel for what you know what does the atmosphere feel like um yeah, you're right. Streets, you, maybe you, not. <laughs> you can't be tone deaf to the organisation that space, can you? You're right. You can't be because you've got to you've got to understand what the culture is in that place as quickly as you can to make sure that however you frame or position something that's coming, it's got to be you know, it's got it's got to suit the local flavour using that story you just gave. But it has to, right? That, that, that's really really important. What do you do then? You know, when you, you you've done your blast radius and you see that there's a, a significant amount of people in there, how? I, I do what you do very well. I do what you do very well. When you were on that that that, that uh, cybersecurity program at the uni, it, it was all about having that opportunity to give therapy. You know? yeah. And what I mean by that, and it's, it's a phrase that I use a lot, but what I mean by giving therapy is literally going into these departments who you know are going to be hit hard, who perhaps may not ever understand what it really means for them or they may not respond particularly well to it. But it's just just telling them what's happening, just kind of, you know, giving them that news in the first instance but not trying to solve the problem just so it has an opportunity to land and sink in and that they can just have that moment to go I'm not doing it it's not for me we don't need it because then when you go back a second time and actually can do the self if you like it, it, it it's more chance of landing right I mean you, you've been there and done it on some of the hardest stuff I've seen so I find it it's interesting actually like speaking to some other change manager in, in my so in my opinion the change manager has got to be a kind of lightning rod um and the person that's uh, kind of leading the, the charts right because yeah. and I think it's I'm always interested in other change managers who kind of see that the role of of change is more of a backseat um I mean I guess that that comes into where change and communications is like a key kind of link there but I, I don't really know how you can deliver change and not at least offer yourself up as a sacrificial uh therapist sometimes I think it's part of the role though isn't it I think we have to do it I think I think going in early because this is what this show's about is about going in and understanding how uh how, how the organization is going to react and what we're going to do I think it is just going in and listening to them you know they may have had the news of what's changing or you might be like you say the lightning bolt that's going in to hit them with it but you've got to be in that position where once you've delivered that level of input, they are able to express how it makes them feel. And then you can build your change or comms plan in response to that. I think that's, you know, I think that's uh, part, of, part of the process. It's we have lightning do. rod. It's more like that you're conducting all the energy coming to you <laughs> rather than going out and distributing it. <laughs> I, guess oh, I, suppose, it goes both ways. I suppose it goes both ways and both work, don't they? I suppose that's... Uh... <laughs> Uh, I suppose that's the thing. I think really what it comes down to is a respect to the organisation, isn't it? I think you have to respect yeah. uh, the current position as to where those end users are and what they're doing. And I think it comes down to, you know, respecting the, the, what that change might mean to them. And therefore, we really do become, in your example, they're a conductor to help them um, navigate their way through it. I don't think there's, it, it's as linear as a, a beginning and an end. I think it's a, it's a big ball of wool in the middle and we're helping people, you know, straighten that ball of wool out. So it's just as, as pain free as possible. What would your favourite tool or document be that you would take in? I, I can't beat an as is to be. I think yeah, I thought so. Ones. I have the best ones either. Because you've got to understand what's changing, right? I mean, as is and to be, if you know where you're coming from and what you're going to, it's then that where the skill comes into this is not, is, is A, being able to get to the nub of what those changes are, but then actually being able to translate that into a way which is something more, far more meaningful than just a traditional or typical business statement. 
isn't it? You, you, you know, you, you look at something that says, you know, I'm uh, building a, a a new car, and this new car is going to not require. It, it's going to be it's going to be driverless. So the as is there is is that you've got to sit there and drive it, and the two V is going to be a driverless vehicle. But the real benefit is that you know your 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 value here, if you like, is that your productivity can go up, or you have that opportunity where the busy life has stopped us being able to talk to our children on the way to school. You can now actually have a conversation because this this automated vehicle is doing the, the grunt work for you i think if we can find those statements it makes our change and comms plan easier so whacking in there straight away with it as is and two b's it's a great conversation starter as well what about yeah, you? What do you, what, what do you go for well i don't want to not i was just just a comment on that i was i think it actually works in a lot of different roles slightly different words but the position of like split just splitting into three columns where are you today where will you be tomorrow as like during the change and then where will you be in the future um i, I think i mean even in like personal terms i think it's, it's quite helpful but but you know you can apply that to other roles um it is what, what are you working on now what are you going to take next what's the like dream for where you are in one three five years or months or yeah so i, I think you, that... you hit a good point actually because there is the as is there is the 2b but a lot of these programs that we work on have an enabling aspect as well which means that we might not be doing something we might not be exploiting all of the changes in that tech today it means it gives us the opportunity though to do more maybe in the future yeah so you're right i, I think it's a really good point i think it's a, an interesting thing with change is people forget that if you don't do it now you may, you get that opportunity cost and that, that's yep. how organizations end up building that technical debt or issues over a period of years as they've never thought whether they want to be in the future or they have yeah. but they haven't done it um yeah, no, you're i think right. um for me um it's getting to the nub of, of what are the key outcomes and what what do you want people to do as a result of the change that you're communicating to them um and I think it's, it's it's massively important, isn't it? Because a technology change, if we stick on that theme, is 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 has a beginning and, and to some extent has an end. Um, but that's that's just a piece of tin, essentially, that you're changing. Yeah. But for the end user, there something significant is likely to change them, and that's either the way that they do their job, whether it could be their job, or it could be you know the outcome of doing their job has now having a, a different consequence somewhere else, and to either the customer experience, the product experience, or the business experience. So you, that, that outcome working almost backwards from that is that's actually really quite critical. I'm trying it's to think of many examples think. where we've both worked on something like that, but- Well, I was just thinking sure. actually, I mean, if you, it's like going back to the beginning of the pandemic, you know, where a lot of organizations are starting to put proper bits of um, software like Teams or Zoom or stuff to support that move to, at the time, completely remote working. Um, and it, it's, Funny to think if you if you could go back in time now and say, you know, we're going to start using Microsoft Teams because it will change the entire way that you work for the rest of your career. Um, I don't Never think they would have believed it. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> wouldn't have believed it just before the pandemic. I think people would have thought we were mad, but it's, I it's funny. I wonder if people use it as an example for a business case, though, because I reckon that's already a forgotten learning, right? That you go home, your outcome there, you're exactly right from tomorrow. You're going to be working online. We're going to find a way to make that happen. So off we all go and we go, we, we already have an idea. We start the process on what we need to do to make it happen. End goal achieved. Everyone can work offline. Done in a record manner of time. I mean, we're at the uni at the time, weren't we? That was three weeks. I think we got yeah. 25,000 students, members of staff actively using 
uh, Teams or Zoom, uh, voice, camera, chat, document sharing. I mean, it was, it was an amazing feat. If you then go forward now and go, right, what we're going to do is we're now going to deliver another significant change and it's going to change everything you're going to need to do from tomorrow. Could you, do it in, could you do it in three? <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to believe you that you could, you've ever done that before. <laughs> I don't think they would. Because the governance went. That was the biggest deal breaker there, wasn't it? The governance went. You just you were just empowered to make it happen. I'm trying to think how that relates back to my point of what you want people to do. Like, actually, I mean, if I try and like frame that and what we were saying, I think is sometimes, as long as you set what you want people to do, people will surprise you sometimes. They, you know, they'll go above it and start taking it into their own um yeah. into their own way clear direction so if i summarize what my my takeaways are peter then you hit us with yours i think for me you walk through that door on day one you, you you're going to meet your new stakeholders you've got to kind of quickly assess who your new best friends are so that's my first one who's got that level of information the stuff that's written in white on that business case that's the, that's one of the cases the second one is once to start building that i want to start building my ancestors my two b's and, and my future enablers so i've got a clear understanding as to what's changing and then three i'd probably hit that blast radius and i'll start looking at who do i need to go and actually really kind of build a relationship and reassure that you know we've got a handle on this and we're going to supercharge the change and comms process for them i think for me i mean a lot of what my takeaways also reflect yours but i, I would change that best friend bit and be you know you really got to get into an organization to understand what's what's the history like how's it got to where it is today and how why why is it that they're looking at doing what they're doing now i mean i think that probably depending on the type of change you're doing obviously that can impact that more or less um and the, the other takeaway for me as well is to understand not just the change that you're being asked to make to people but what is it that you want them to do um and yeah to set the expectations not just uh do unto others but really hope that they'll surprise you as well and, and go above what you expect and that in in years to come you'll you'll wonder how how was it that we only thought that people could uh, change in this small way thanks for listening folks that's the end of episode two our go-to's when we start a new project episode three out soon